Welcome to the Healing Herb Podcast. This is your grief expert and friend, Ashley Lemieux. I am sitting in a safe right now in New York City, which I think is one of the coolest things ever. And the podcast episode that we are about to have today with Dr. Judith, who is a board certified psychiatrist and researcher here in New York, is going to be so impactful, especially as we lead into the holiday season with our families and relatives and people that we love, but sometimes love from a distance. And today we have Dr. Judith on to help us know how do we set boundaries with our family members? Thank you so much for being on here on Healing Her with us today. Thank you for having me. I know that you usually have your guests in cars, but I'm a New Yorker, so I ride the train and the bus, and I don't have a car, but I have a safe. You have a safe. Honestly, there is nothing cooler than sitting in a safe. Now I just wish that everyone had a safe and this is never going to happen again in my entire life. So I'm just like living in this moment. <laughs> Let me tell you the story behind the safe so you don't think that I'm crazy. But like this building used to be, uh, it's in the diamond district. It used to be diamonds. And this was a, a safe that held really precious gems. And once that business moved out of here, the landlord didn't know what to do with this safe. And you can't knock it down because the entire room is a safe. So I was like, hmm, let me think. I've always wanted to start a podcast and it is soundproof. So here we are, my safe space. This was the most <laughs> genius idea ever. Well, and that's your podcast name, which I didn't even recognize at first, just how, why you named it that other than it's a cool name. But now it makes so much sense because her podcast is Safe Space. <laughs> and here we are literally sitting in it. So before we dig into the juicy boundary talk that I know a lot of people who are listening right now are starting to kind of feel that anticipation, maybe a little anxiety around how am I going to interact with these family members or friends or, or, or people, you know, over the coming months. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the work you do? Because it is so cool and impactful. Um, and if they don't know you yet. I'm just so excited for them to get to know you throughout this interview. So I treat children, adolescents, and adults. And I do a combination of therapy and medication management because um, I prescribe to some of my patients, not all. And I also do a lot of research. So this is actually my second lab, like right outside the safe uh, door. There's, you know, all these lab equipment and so forth because I do research and um, we try to develop different um medications and treatments for anything from ADHD to Alzheimer's dementia. So it's a lot of fun because as a psychiatrist, I get to do a lot of sciencey things, but I also get to, you know, get on the floor and play with patients. In pediatric patients, we do play therapy and so forth. So, you know, it's never a dull day. And I love, love, love creating content around the work that I do with my patients and my research. Well, I feel like I love your content so much because I'm not a science brain. I'm very much an emotional, creative brain and the science stuff just never really has resonated with me. But something I love about the way that you create content is like you're a mix of all of the of the things of the science and the creative. And 
you so powerfully put together words and this showcasing of emotions and feelings in a way that's easy to digest and understand and consume and relate to. And so that's one of the many reasons why I just love all the work that you're doing because you make what we're talking about feel relatable and help people identify with those feelings that maybe that they've felt alone in for a long time. So thank you for everything you do, because I know that it's a lot of work behind the scenes. So let's dive in to this conversation about boundaries. I would love to get started with just kind of setting this baseline of what are boundaries, because especially on social media, I think that this conversation gets talked a lot about and there's different types of information out there. So I would love to just give people something they can grasp so they understand, well, what is a boundary in the first place? Mm -hmm. You know, one of my colleagues, I don't know where this came from, but um, so I, I don't know how to properly quote the person, but they said that a boundary is where I end and you begin. Oh, right. And I just thought that was so I was like, why did I think about, about that? But That's okay. it's so yes. deep, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think it's such a kind way of saying that it doesn't have to be so hard and fast, so black or white. It, it can be, you know, something that you think about that you acknowledge, and then you can move from there. And I love this book uh, by Dr. Nadra Glover Tawab, I think her oh, name is. Oh, I love her. I follow oh her on gosh. Instagram also. She's yes. amazing. But her book talks about boundaries in different ways. And I've seen a lot of other people talk about boundaries in different ways as well, because it's not a new thing, but it's become very, very popularly because of the pandemic, right? We're all on top of each other at home, in each other's faces, realizing that the person we're with, we don't really like them that much, you know, like, <laughs> and then like talking with our bosses, like, you know, we're working from home against our will because there's no other choice. And then how do you even go back to what it was like beforehand where work and home were separate, right? So boundaries has become something that whether you want to think about it or not, it's a part of your life, right? And so I think that, you know, understanding and using that empathic approach that a boundary is where I end and you begin just sets such a nice visual, right? I am my own individual person and... I'm a part of a family and I'm a part of an organization. And so understanding that I have needs, right? And that I have wants and desires that need to be respected. And here's how I can advocate for that. That's very, very powerful. So I think that's why it's become so popular lately because we've all had our, our boundaries encroached upon or we've broken boundaries. And we know how that has implications in terms of our relationships and our mental health. I love that framing of it, too, because I think especially on social media and while sometimes this is very necessary, there is a lot of messaging about just cutting people off completely or cutting your family off or a friend or a relationship. Yes, sometimes the most healthy thing is that needs to happen hands down. But a lot of times people feel really lonely and really isolated and shutting off those relationships might not be what they want to do, but they don't know how to navigate through that. Is what I'm saying makes sense? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I've had several patients come to me and say, like, I, I read online, I saw this meme that, you know, my, my mom is toxic. I need to cut her off. But 
If I cut her off, I'm not going to have any support. I don't know who's going to help me pay my bills. I'm going to be alone during the holidays, right? And other people are like, well, in my culture, it's disrespectful to even like talk back to an elder. But this elder is like ruining my life, you know? So, you know, you really have to think about boundaries within a cultural context and whether or not you can define boundaries in ways that works within your life. That's so good. (laughs) So where do we start? Okay, so even in the context of the holidays are coming up, there's going to be family and friends, even co-worker gatherings. Where do we begin? Because if you're listening and you're like me, maybe you're a people pleaser. (laughs) Maybe you're a little bit nervous to make anyone upset or uncomfortable in any type of way. So you just kind of bow down and and suck it up just to get through it and try to make everybody happy. And then the person that is left feeling the worst is you. So if you're talking to someone like me, where do we start? So recently I had someone come in my office and we were uh, talking specifically about the holidays. And this individual decided that they were going to go home for the holidays. It was the first time visiting home in a long time. So that was a physical boundary that they were willing to revisit, right? Before they were saying that they were putting a lot of physical distance between themselves and their hometown, right? So they were willing to change that physical boundary this time around. And one of the things that they were dealing with was a family member who uh, they felt was, you know, not really treating them well, taking them for granted. And um, financial boundaries was something we worked on. So this is someone who they felt that the family member only wanted to borrow from them or only wanted that relationship because they were gaining something of monetary value. So we we talked heavily about, okay, what is the financial boundary that you're going to set for this person? What's the amount that you feel comfortable parting ways with? What's an amount that you don't feel okay with? And how do we first set that boundary within yourself, right? And coming up with a plan for distress tolerance. In my practice, I use a lot of dialectical behavioral therapy treatments where you may have these emotions that you're uncomfortable with. For this person, it was guilt, right? Like, well, I don't want to be seen as the person that's not giving, you know, because they're takers and I feel guilty. And this is something that goes way back in the dynamic of the family. So how do you first make peace with that? and um, cope with that distress of that guilt, and then stick to the boundary that you set. And we did a lot of work for leading up to that visit. And then also we set some plans around healing after that visit, because when you face people or situations where you set boundaries, people have this you know incorrect assumption that it feels good. Setting boundaries sucks, like it is hard work, You do deal with uncomfortable emotions like guilt, anger, rage, sadness, disappointment. So you have to set up a plan for the healing process after. So we decided that we were going to have extra sessions um, for people who are in therapy, setting up those extra sessions when you come back from that situation. If you don't have therapy, setting up, uh, you know, some comforting, self-nurturing tools. So you may say that, you know, for a day, I'm just going to rest or for an afternoon, I'm going to do something kind for myself. It could be taking a bubble bath. It could be getting a massage if you have those resources um, or just, you know, talking to a friend that, you know, listens, you know, so have a plan for that interaction because boundaries and setting them and sticking to them 
it's really hard. It's very unpleasant. And so you want to have a safety plan, a plan for healing after that. I want to go back to something I just heard you say, which was you were talking about financial boundaries. And at first they had, your patient had a boundary of space. There was a physical boundary. And then I was thinking, oh, I don't know why this just clicked for the first time, but there's different types of boundaries that we might need that we first need to identify what it even is that we're needing to set the boundary around. I think a lot of times when you're in a difficult family dynamic, maybe you're just thinking this whole situation just stresses me out. My mom or my dad or my grandma or my aunt, whoever that person is, being around them, I just I just don't feel like myself and it's so depleting and all of these things. But what I think I'm hearing is that if we can identify first what boundary is being crossed, then we can get specific on exactly what we need to do to take action and then support ourselves after that with like this healing setup so that we're supported after it's done. Absolutely. There are different types of boundaries. And the popular one that we see online is like, cutting someone off, right? That's the um, communication boundary. But then there's a time boundary. How much time are you going to give a relationship? You may not cut someone off from your life completely, but you may say, I'm only willing to speak with this person once a week or once a month or once a year, or I'm only willing to spend time with this person, right? X amount of time a year, or I'm only willing to give a person X amount of money. Or I'm only willing to, you know, for your emotional well-being to give love in this way, right? So boundaries takes on so many different forms. And, you know, for some, it can go even further, like within a cultural context, I'm only going to do one holiday or I'm only going to celebrate this one religious holiday or, or event with this person, right? Um, I'm only going to talk to X person within a family. Like you can be as creative, um, as elaborate, as expansive as you want to with your boundaries, because it is your choice ultimately, right? So it's up to you to set them. And don't think that boundaries have to look the same throughout all the seasons of your life. One year, you may have a certain set of boundaries for one person. The other way, could uh, other year can change depending on the circumstances. So really do what works for you. And having the support of a therapist goes a long way because it's very difficult. Sometimes you're going to back down. Sometimes you're not going to be held accountable to things that you set, right? And you're going to feel really bad and be like, oh, I'm weak and I'm this and I'm that. You internalize blame, shame, and guilt. And so working with a therapist who supports you and helps you stay on task in terms of your goals can be the world of a difference. Almost every week as we talk about whatever topic we're talking about, part of my tools of supporting yourself and moving forward is finding a therapist that you love and trust. So I love that you just said that because now you just heard it from Dr. Judith and not me. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask you a couple specific questions I have over specific boundaries, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because I know that there are women in this community because they have asked me over and over again who are struggling with these types of things with their families and they're not sure how to address it or how to go about it. And so I know that during the holiday season, these are going to come up. So my first question 
is if you are in, and I want to preface this by saying these are not my questions. So this isn't about my family. It's not about my in-laws. I just need to make sure that I'm throwing that out there. These are questions that I have gotten on the Instagram and on my emails and when you guys call in for the show. But one of the first questions is if you have in-laws or even your own parents who are critical of your parenting and you go to these family gatherings um, and things are said, maybe it's passive aggressive, maybe it's blunt. I know that a lot of women struggle with that and hearing that feedback. Are there any suggestions that you have on some tangible ways that they can address that boundary? Absolutely. I get asked this question a lot. And I think that if you are in a partnered relationship, having a plan ahead of time goes a long way. Even if you're like dating someone, right? And you're talking about possibly partnering for life and having starting a family. These are things you need to start talking about from day one. Because once you're in the thick of it, it's a little, it kind of feels like it's too late. It's not too late, never too late, but like it can feel like it's too late. But Talking about what topics stay within your family, stay within your partnership versus topics that are up for suggestion or up for advice from others Um, and having that rule and trying to stick to that because that will protect your peace and protect your relationship. Um, But if you're already partnered and and you haven't had that conversation, don't give up. Um, Don't feel like it's too late. Start having that conversation now. So before this event, let's say you have on the calendar, you're going to spend uh, fall holiday with your family or, or winter holiday. Start talking about it now. These are the things that we're going to talk about between the two of us. We're not going to open them up for suggestion. And if the in the event you're with your in-laws and or your parents and they start to really give you unsolicited advice, this is the plan we're going to use to address it. If it's your parents, you're going to go pull them aside and say, my partner and I discussed this and we're not comfortable sharing, so I'd appreciate it if you stop talking about this right now because it's it's going to make the situation very uncomfortable for everyone. And, right, we don't want to say buts. We want to say ands. And we know that you want to enjoy the holiday too. We know that you don't get to see us as often as you'd like. We know that you want to be active grandparents or whatever it is. And we know that you want to enjoy this time. So we're going to do this so that we can all enjoy it. So it goes a long way because you don't want people to feel as if you don't want the same thing. And usually if it's within a family, usually, <laughs> you know, like in, in the best case scenario, you all want to be happy. You all want to get along. You all want the grandkids to be healthy. You want everyone to get along well. So usually you all want the same thing, theoretically, but you go about it in different ways. And also something I use in my practices the empathic intervention, right? The non-judgmental empathic intervention. Thinking about how this person feels. I do a lot of content on this, right? About like the mother-in-law that seems narcissistic, but typically it's from a place of insecurity. Typically the person, you know, is not partnered anymore. Maybe their partner passed or left them and they feel useless in many ways. They feel as if they're not relevant. So they try to insert themselves into relationships to feel relevant and powerful because they feel powerless. So sometimes taking into consideration that empathic approach goes a long way because you can't change people and they may or may not respect your boundaries. But, you know, realizing that 
sometimes it's coming from a place of pain allows you to deal with it in ways that you feel like you have more control rather than blowing up at them, storming out. And then you look like the bad guy when you weren't, you know, you were just trying to assert yourself and someone wasn't listening. So having that type of agency in that situation through empathy can help you. I think taking that approach through empathy just overall, it takes so much patience, even introspection on our own of being able to look at other people and say, hey, maybe this story isn't even about me. Maybe this reaction isn't even about me. Maybe there's things, there's pain that they're going through. As I've tried my best to learn how to do this more in my own life, it helps me connect with and communicate with people in a totally different way. It's like the lens in which I view people now is so different than what it was before when you come from that approach. So I also think that this conversation of setting boundaries, when we add that into the conversation, there's actually a lot of healing that can be felt there, especially if there are hard relationships, I think, within your family or with your in-laws or your partner's family, being able to approach it just from a really different lens might be really healing. So I love that you just brought that up. I kind of want to switch gears and talk about the workplace because I know in the workplace, holiday parties are starting. Uh, You might be asked more to meet for drinks after work or whatever that holiday celebration looks like, or maybe end of year projects are trying to get ramped up and more there's bigger workload on your place. I remember my husband, when he was working corporate, he was working on Christmas also. And it was just, it was just hard. And I know that so many families are in so many different types of situations. So if someone who is listening is in And a work environment that maybe is just requiring a lot from them at this time, or they're not wanting to spend extra hours after work with the people, but they don't know how to say no because they're afraid of how people might perceive that. How can we start setting boundaries in our work environments? I think that we have to acknowledge this, right? This is not something that Younger generations, newer generations are just complaining about 30, 40 years ago, we didn't have laptops where we could log on to our workplace and our emails and check in with our you know, boss at all times. We didn't have these cell phones that everyone had, including children. Right. Like there was no connectivity like that. Even I mean, maybe 40, 50 years ago, there wasn't even Internet in the homes. Right. Like people, some people didn't even have home computers. <laughs> What would that be like? I'm almost like, "Mm, can we just get a day back in time just for a second? (laughs) It's interesting. I love watching the memes on like Instagram where they're like showing the the old phones with the cords, right? And like the voicemails and so forth. But we just didn't have this kind of like imposition of technology. And technology is great. You know, don't get me wrong. The internet has saved lives, has given us so much information but there are positives and negatives to having that much information whenever we want, wherever we want it, right? So I think that first we have to come up with a plan for boundaries that works for us and stick to it. So that could look like, you know, letting your boss or your office know that when you're out of the office, you are truly out of the office. 
I'm on Fifth Avenue and I treat a lot of professionals and I can't tell you every day I'm helping and supporting my clients with this because, you know, our egos get closely tied into our work identity, right? It's almost like, well, if I don't have this great job, then what am I? No, you were something before that job, you know, you were, you're way more than your job. So learn how to separate first who you are from what you do with work. And that can, for some people, they'll sit on that and be like, well, I can't do that. I don't know. I don't know how to do that. That's where you really start. And then when you do that, you realize that, okay, I'm more than just this title. I have, I have a family that I care about. I have partners. I have pets I want to spend time with. I have hobbies that make my life meaningful. I have to create time and space for those things or else I'm just losing myself. I'm losing myself in this job. So I think that's the first start. And then when you communicate that to your office, if you're going to put that, oh, 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 that out of office sign on, you have to first stick to that, you know? Mm, you can't, you can't, okay. Listen, I've been guilty of that You're calling too. us out right now, I think. <laughs> You're talking to a woman who right after giving birth, I was like on my like emails, like, okay, I'll be there for that. And I'm like, what, what am I doing here? You know, like, so you really have to separate that out. And I think it, it comes a lot from our sense of self that again gets lost along the way. But stick to that because if you don't respect your boundaries that you made, that you were hollering to everyone about, no one's going to respect it, right? It's kind of like if you treat yourself poorly, if you if you let people walk all over you, if you're a doormat, they're going to treat you like that, right? So you have to do that first and foremost. And then if you're in a situation where they're not listening to you, they're not acknowledging it, um, start documenting it. You know, I, I recently gave an article uh Uh, discussed this with a journalist at Forbes where we were talking about toxic workplaces and like sometimes people don't know what they're doing. They just think that, well, this is the culture of the workplace. So they don't realize what they're doing. So like you have to sometimes document it and show them, listen, I asked for this time off and I got X amount of emails. And then you start off non-judgmental, empathic. I know you probably didn't understand that this is what I meant, but this is what I meant. And I really need you to respect this the next time I'm away, right? Um, and then if it continues happening, then you may have to think about other avenues to address it, because if it isn't documented, it never happened. So workplaces in particular, I think it's tricky because sometimes you have people who are doing it and they don't realize they're doing it. And other times people are actively trying to violate these boundaries in a way that doesn't go up according to the company's policies. And so you may have to involve other parties. This is the most tangible way that I've ever heard boundaries and setting them ever broken down. So thank you so much for all of this because it feels accessible, even though it, even though I know it can feel so hard too. it feels accessible, it feels doable. It feels like, okay, there's a path and I can move forward before we end today. I have one more question for you for the woman who is listening, who is just like, this all sounds really good. But I'm just really nervous that I'm going to hurt someone's feelings or I'm going to lose these relationships that are important to me. If she was in this room with us right now, what would you tell her to encourage her to take this step in her life? I think, especially with mothers, understand what you're feeling, because as moms, we tend to think about other people first and in that process of doing that, we just numb and mute how we feel. It's almost like we we don't want to feel how hard it is because then we won't be able to do our work. So we just push it down and we push through. And I remember one case years ago that, that I was working with where the mother 
um, told me that her child had never seen her cry. And I just thought, oh, like, but you cry all the time in my office, you know, it's like, so you showing that vulnerability to your kids sends a message. If you, if you're that person who's thinking about, I want to be there for my children, well, let's shift that. Do you want your children to see women as being depleted, exhausted, and putting others first? Like, what is the message you're sending, right? Not to shame mothers even further because we don't need that, but this is how I work with my clients who think about others first. Well, the person that you're thinking about needs to have the accurate messaging, right? Um, for those who who are just, um, you know, maybe they learned it from their mothers, right? Try to understand where this started, you know, understanding that generational trauma, those generational patterns, and how unhealthy they were. Look back at how your own mother uh, dealt with things and how depleted she was. You can change that course for your life. You're worthy of that. And I think a lot of times women, for some reason, feel like they're not worthy, that they don't deserve the things that they give to others. If you don't take care of yourself, how can you pour from an empty cup? There's nothing left to give. And we hear this over and over again, but we don't let it become internalized, right? But really start to think about how you feel. Because if you don't process how you feel, how can you do anything about it? If you don't acknowledge the pain, how can you do anything to make progress? You're worthy. I think that's the whole <laughs> message of how do I do this? It's you're worthy you're to worthy. do this. Thank you so much for having this conversation with us today in your safe. I'm seriously so just it's my privilege to be able to be here with you. Thank you. And for everyone listening, where can they come find you? Because you guys, I don't follow a ton of people on social media. Dr. Judith is one that I follow religiously every single day. I'm like, okay, what am I going to learn <laughs> from her today? So you have to make sure you go find her and her podcast and everything she's doing. So where can they come connect with you? You can follow me at Instagram and TikTok, Dr. Judith Joseph, and also on YouTube. And please sign up for my newsletter because I give weekly tips. The reels and the TikToks are great. They're fun. And they're entertaining. But you get more tips through my newsletter. Ooh, I need to sign up for your <laughs> newsletter, too. I did, actually didn't know about that. We'll link everything below in the show notes. And thank you so much again for joining us on this week's episode of Healing Her. And until I see you again next week, take good care of yourself. I'm so honored you joined us for this episode of the Healing Her podcast, where healing isn't just a destination. It's an empowering, transformative adventure. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss brand new episodes each Tuesday. And if you're ready for more tangible tools, make sure you grab my best-selling book, I Am Here, wherever books are sold or in the link in the show notes below. Take good care of yourself until I see you again next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.